Um, you remember Gunther Gable Williams, Sarah? Gunther Gable Williams! You don't remember that? Gunther Gable Williams! And now, ladies and gentlemen, the moment you've been waiting for, the, the one and only, Gunther Gable Williams! and welcome to Wolf Disney. It's a podcast. Did you know that you're listening to a podcast, <laughs> listener? You didn't just stumble upon a strange new medium. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Wolf Disney. I'm Natalie. And I'm Sarah. And we're two sisters um, who grew up with relatively little Disney knowledge and we are on the journey of going through each Disney feature film in chronological order and um, giving y'all our hot takes. And this week is Dumbo. Um, <clears throat> hey Natalie. What? How do you get an elephant up a tree? Um, what? Plant an acorn, have the elephant stand on top of where you planted it, wait 50 years. Cool. Anyway. <clears throat> so this week's episode is Dumbo, and Natalie is going to give us the history behind the story. As we all know, it is a much-loved um, Grimm Brothers story. Right, Natalie? No, silly Sarah. <laughs> it's not. What is it? Okay, I'll tell you. Um, it's a book. It's actually a, a roll a book, um, which a what? A roll a book. Roll a book. What does that mean? Like a scroll? Roll a book. And you keep using this word like I should know what that means. Um, I googled it, and it's um kind of like a comic strip that you like scroll through. Oh. It's like a window, so it kind of has like a like different like pain for each scene. Um, yeah, it's there's not a lot out on these roll of books. I don't know. Anyway, um, so it was written by Helen Aberson Meyer and her husband at the time, Harold Pearl, um, in 1939. And so actually, I think that um, the story was brought to Walt Disney only like a month or two into it being published. Hmm. Um, and so they got the rights for it pretty quickly. Um, that's that. That's not what I sent you. I sent you something about the the real Dumbo. Yeah, but oh, okay. I didn't think you wanted me to say that. I thought that was the interesting part, not what you just said. I mean, it was interesting. I learned a new word, but. So um, there was a real life Dumbo. Um, who was also named Jumbo, like Disney's Dumbo mm. is kind of named, or is named, but then is nicknamed Dumbo. And so Jumbo was an elephant. Um, so disappointed in me right now. Jumbo was an elephant that P.T. Barnum purchased um, from the London Zoo. Um, but while he was in London, um, he was just a real fan favorite of apparently the entire country of England. Um, Queen Victoria and her kids loved Jumbo. Um, but eventually Jumbo started to show aggressive behavior, um, which I guess now we can assume is because of uh, being treated poorly, um, including that his trainer would feed him whiskey and beer to calm him down which shockingly would not have been good for Jumbo's health. Hmm. Um, so once he started to show aggressive behavior, um, P.T. Barnum was able to purchase him from the zoo, uh, which upset people a lot because they just loved Jumbo and wanted Jumbo to stay. In England. In England, yep. Um, he was said to be 13 feet tall, which doesn't feel like tall for an elephant. Tall. I mean, that's like two 
of your friend Lucas. You can mention Lucas in every podcast. Um, yeah, that's, that's only two like social distancing uh, measurements. Yeah. Yeah, this article says he was advertised as the world's largest elephant, thought to be around four meters tall. Yeah. They were not as tall back then. Um, and so I assume Jumbo lived happily ever after once he... No. Uh, Jumbo uh, did die after suffering injuries from a train hitting him. How does that happen? I mean, like, was he chilling on the tracks? Was it a circus train? He was just out for a morning stroll and got hit by a train? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's sad. But <laughs> you're gonna be a great minister. <laughs> That happened a long time ago, so it's not sad anymore. So you really shouldn't be sad about it. No. Um, Natalie, how do you know if an elephant is under your blanket? Uh, I don't know. Because when you get in your bed, your nose touches the ceiling. Oh. Uh, you're on top of it? Yeah. Gotcha. Well, thank you, Sarah, for that. Um, yeah, that's the real-life jumbo. That's a really sad story. You made me read it. Okay. Uh, but I'm also glad that the movie is not really based on that story. Right. Um, so I already told you I did not take a ton of notes on the movie Dumbo. Um, but most of my notes were a lot of question marks and um, shock at the uh the racism in the movie um and the way characters are depicted um so what can you tell us about that yeah so that's um a common association with dumbo i think is that people remember um one scene in particular they remember and in my research it's a little interesting that they remember one scene, but a lot of people forget another scene that's actually even more racist than the one that everyone remembers. So, yeah. Are you gonna tell us the scenes or are you gonna keep? No, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna tell you. Um, so the scene that everyone remembers is the crows. Um, so towards the end of the movie, Dumbo and Timothy the mouse are up in a tree and they encounter a group of crows. And once the crows kind of start talking, you realize that it's a pretty um, blatant stereotype of African-Americans um, and they're, the way they're talking and the way that they sing and um, some other things. And so that's, it's interesting, like um, the head crow, his name is actually Jim. Yeah. So Jim Crow, so it's like, they didn't even try. Like I read one in one article, somebody criticized the um, the crows as racist, and then um, one I think this is one of like Disney's biographers was trying to like um, kind of convince himself that it wasn't that bad, and um, he said. Um, it seems strange that racial, this is actually, this whole quote is horrible because it almost sounds like they're accusing a critic of like reverse racism or something. Um, it seems strange that racial offense should be discovered in the crow's depiction. Is it somehow all right to caricature whites, but not blacks? That surely is a very deep racism, far deeper than anything in the friendly portrayal of the crows. Although perhaps naming one of them Jim Crow was a little questionable. A little. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, this whole question, is it somehow all right to caricature whites, but not blacks? Like, I don't even know what a caricature of a white person is, except for maybe like Karen now, like the name Karen. But obviously in the movie Dumbo, when almost every single character is white, I don't know what this person is talking about. Right. so one of the things that I read said that with when this when they were putting um, Dumbo together, 
Disney couldn't be as hands-on as he normally was with his movies because of, you know, one thing mentioned labor difficulties, which we talked about last week when the um, Reluctant Dragon came out, there was a a strike. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, there was some financial issues going on for Disney too. And so we brought in some extra people to work on it. So this person said like, there's no way to know what parts of the movie are definitely Disney, what parts are these other people. But again, I think this is somebody that's really hopeful that it's not Disney that was like, yeah, throw these crows in, make them act a certain way and talk a certain way. Um, So some of the things that I've read, though, said that the crows subvert the common image of of African-Americans at that period in Hollywood film history. And so people have done studies about how um, for a long time there were certain characters that Black actors or characters would would be like like they would have a certain role um and 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 every character would fit into one of those roles and so they're saying that like in this one they kind of break out of that mold um this article says the crows are self-assured freewheeling fully realized animated characters comparing them to other contemporary cartoon images um the qualitative difference is obvious for example Scrub Me Mama with a Boogie Beat, a 1941 cartoon short by Walter Lance, traffics in the most demeaning of comic racial stereotypes. By contrast, the crows are energetic, self-possessed with a wry sense of humor. Um, True, the the voice characterizations may remind us of Amos and Andy, but the crows lack the characteristic foolishness of the famous radio characters. Um, So it's it's kind of interesting because when you hear them, you're like, oh, this is definitely a stereotype of maybe the way they thought black people spoke or whatever. Um, but their actions and what they, in the, um, I mean, they are the ones that figure out how Dumbo got up in the tree. They're right. the ones that figure out how to get him to fly again. I mean, without the crows, Dumbo would never fly. Right. Um, so they actually have, quite a big purpose in the in the story. Somebody said that though the crows initially seem a little disreputable, especially to Timothy. So Timothy is really skeptical of these crows. It turns out that they are the only other individuals to understand Dumbo's predicament. So when when Timothy Mouse is preaching to the crows, it sounded a little tone deaf because he was saying, you know, how would you how would you feel if you were left out in the cold all because of your ears? You know, like, you have no clue what it's like not to be included based on what you look like. And it's like, well, you know, these crows are representing African Americans <laughs> in the United States. Like, they are left out of things because of the way they look. Um, and so they do have some, um, not sympathy, but they can relate to Dumbo. Um, and so they are the ones then that help him learn to fly. Yeah. So while this is you know, remember it as being like an incredibly racist scene. If you kind of unpack all of the layers behind it, it's an interesting way that they have subverted racist images. However, um, the guy who voices um, the main crow, Jim Crow, again, that's his name, is the same guy who did Jimmy, Jiminy Cricket and Pinocchio. It's a white man. Yeah. So he essentially did not black face, but black voice. Yeah. Um, in this movie. And so it's like, oh, uh, and there's also the question of like, did they, were they really thinking about making a subversive, like not anti-racist image, but were they thinking about the agency that these crows would have when they put them in there? Or were they just saying like, all right, we're going to have these crows and they're going to represent this group of people. Yeah. Cause it feels very progressive for 1940 to be like pr- thinking through that process. Especially if you're reading about, like, how, like, low budget and quickly they made this movie. Like, it was intentionally just, like, very simple. I just, I I can't imagine that they spent much time um, discussing, like, this crow scene and, like, and the theory behind creating Social justice. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So, yes, the crows scene is the scene that most people think of when they think about Dumbo and racism. But there's actually another scene that is even worse than the crows and what it depicts. Do you know what it is, Natalie? 
I think I do. Although I think there's similar to like Snow White and Pinocchio, there are just like little moments dropped throughout the movie. Um, like some of the circus workers are with specific animals. Um, like, I didn't even that. Yeah, like the people who are riding the camels. Like, are just, oh yeah, like, I totally riding, saw that. Yeah. yeah. Um, yes, because in that moment, I was looking and I was like, the crowd on the street watching the circus parade are all white. And so I was like, okay, so they're just not going to try to put diversity in here. And then the camels walked by and I was like, so this is how they're going to do that? Like, Right. And that's, so that scene is immediately after, because I also looked at the crowd because that scene is immediately after the scene that I think you're about to talk about, which is um, when they show up in the middle of the stormy night and the animals uh, somehow set up the tent stuff, but they're also aided by um, workers who, yeah. who, uh, suddenly have kind of similar to the henchmen from Pinocchio. They're just kind of dark oh, yeah. blobby figures. They don't have facial details. Um, and they sing a song, which I didn't realize until the song started that I didn't have captions on. And then I was like, no, oh, I, guess, I guess I want captions for this. Yeah. Um, which was not great. Yeah. So this scene is called the roustabout scene. The roustabout is somebody, I guess, who works and rousts about. Um, my definition. Uh, I was an English teacher. Um, so this is one of the most problematic scenes. Um, it's called The Song of the Roustabouts and it depicts faceless black characters and they're all hammering the rail ties down to build the tent to get the show going. Um, there's one line that says grab that rope you hairy ape. I mean it's really just awful and then they sing this song that says, um, we work all day, we work all night, we never learned to read or write, we're happy-hearted roustabouts. When other folks have gone to bed, we slave until we're almost dead, we're happy-hearted roustabouts. We don't know when we get our pay, and when we do, we throw our pay away. Um, so it's, I mean, it's pretty awful, um, yeah. the portrayal of these workers. Um, and one of the websites I looked at was talking about the difference between the crow scene and the roustabout scene. And they said that um, if, you, if you Googled Dumbo Crows Racist, which I did Google today, um, you would get about 120,000 results. But if you Googled Dumbo Roustabout Song Racist, you'll only get about 18,000. Wow. And so it's just interesting how we've picked up on the prose scene, yeah. but not the roustabout, which to me, the roustabout one is way more offensive. Yeah. Like, we're not even going to give you faces. You are, you are not an individual. You are a collective. Yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> definitely some problematic scenes in Dumbo. Dumbo is one of the movies that does have a warning on Disney Plus because of that. I read that, so last year when they were rolling out Disney Plus, uh, I think Disney said that they were planning on putting an edited version in that did not include the crow scene altogether. But then were they going to keep the roustabout scene in? Yeah. So like, yeah. Um, and how do you have the movie without the crow scene? Like, right. <laughs> all of a sudden, like Dumbo's in the tree and then you have this like weird awkward <laughs> Yeah, it, like he's back in the circus with this crow feather. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also I wonder if they said that and then somebody was like, "Have you? <laughs> we haven't really considered what to do with the plot of the movie if we right. take it out." Um, and so Dumbo gets drunk and the end. Yeah. Um, Don't drink. Yeah. The moral of uh, Dumbo. Well. Thanks for tackling uh, just a topic that's really not fun to tackle um, and yeah. obviously difficult. And um, if anybody wants to add anything to it, yeah, um, to what we've said in any history or response to it, we'd love to hear it. Um, I made the mistake of reading through comments on a Washington Post article yeah. about racism in Dumbo, and it was shocking. We talked about how racist the movie was in 1941 when it was made, but then there are people commenting on articles that are written today saying that those scenes weren't racist. And you just wondered, did you read the 
article or watch the movie? Like, how can you see the roustabout scene and not see and hear the racism? Yeah. It's pretty overt. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, please do, if this is something you're interested in or if you know somebody we should talk to, because... I mean, it's going to, I don't, I can't think of a specific example right now, but I'm sure it's going to pop up again in the next, um, at least one of the next 10 movies or something. Yeah. Be. Um, hey, Natalie, what was the elephant doing on the freeway? Um, trying to cross the road. About five miles per hour. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wondering if there are any fun facts about this movie. There certainly are. Um, Dumbo was released in 1941. That's the first fun fact. Um, wow. I am having fun. Uh huh. You might not know that one yet. Snow White and Pinocchio, um, were kind of failures in the box office. Fantasia just cost a lot of money to make. And so at this point, um, they were still looking for, um, a cheap and easy to make movie um, to help boost revenue. Um, and so Dumbo was that movie. Um, it's only 64 minutes long, which I know I love that. I knew you would. Um, yeah. I didn't remember it being like, I was talking to my friend Derek this week before watching Dumbo and we were both trying to remember together, like what happens. And I think I thoroughly described most of the movie, but my, but as I was saying, it, I was like, but I'm sure there's more that happens. Cause what I just described is, yeah, like, surely the robots take over at some point. And there's like, like, some major conflict. Yeah, I was like, this is a 10-minute movie that I just described, um, which they actually did consider making it just as short again. Um, but they made it long enough to be a movie, 64 minutes. So once again, um, at the time of the release of these movies, none of the voice actors get credit for it. Um, but there are still some like pretty big names not names for me, but pretty big, uh, uh, voices, I guess, um, in this movie. The, like, head elephant, like, the matriarch of the elephants, um, was Verna Felton. Did she seem familiar to you? Did her voice? Yeah. Maybe. She was in a lot of stuff. She is the fairy godmother in Cinderella, the queen of hearts in Alice in Wonderland, which I have no reference to. Um, she was Aunt Sarah and Lady and the Tramp. She was Flora, one of the fairies in Sleeping Beauty. And she was Winifred Elephant in Jungle Book, which I don't really know what that's. No. Yeah. No, that's on that. I know what the Jungle Book is. I just don't know who this character yes. is. <laughs> I didn't know there were, like, I thought, never mind. I don't want to talk about what I think. <laughs> I didn't know there were elephants in that movie. Yeah, they have, like, a fun marching song. We had it on, like, a Disney sing-along VHS. It's like, hup, two, hup, something like that. Um, I do know one of the voices, character voice things. The stork. Stork. Sterling Holloway. Yes. And he also voiced Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. Hey, Natalie. Do you have a joke? What do you call elephants who ride on trains? What? Passengers. What? Passengers. They're just like other people, Natalie. They've got a ticket. Oh, I thought that was a pun. I was like, I don't, I guess I don't <laughs> understand the reference. The scariest scene, I would say, is the pink elephant's um, hallucination scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yep, maybe, I'd agree. Yep. And I did not know this. Maybe it's common knowledge, but seeing pink elephants is a euphemism for drunken hallucination. Um, yeah. Did you look it up? Yeah. Okay. And so, yeah, that's where um, the Delirium beer label logo has pink elephants on it. It's a good beer. Um, and that's is a good beer. And um, that's one of the modern references to it. Also, Sarah Palin, when she was running for vice president, referred to herself and like Carly Fiorina as elephants but that's not it's not used in the same manner but did you catch the one thing in that article that I thought you would catch because I think we read the same Wikipedia article Um, for many decades before pink elephant became standard drunken people were known to see snakes or see snakes in their boots 
which means Woody Woody is was drunk. drunk the entire Toy Story series. Drunk to the point of hallucination, which I don't under I don't Okay. Whoa, is this was called like alcohol a, just crazier? Or is is all of the Toy Story series Woody's drunken hallucination? Yeah. I think that it will be the creepiest five minutes in all of the Disney movie. I'm calling it right now. In all of the Disney movie catalog, except for or until the Heffalumps and Woozles. Okay, thank you. I was like, it's almost the same scene. Yeah. And terrifying. Which I remember that confusing me as a kid of separating those two scenes because those are the two movies that we also like, we had those two movies. With Dumbo? Yeah. It's creepy. Uh, you know, I was thinking about, like, in The Reluctant Dragon, they go into the storyboard room. Mm-hmm. And they've got, like, the sequence of the movie. And I'm like, I would love to have seen the storyboard room when they're like, all right, we have this plot about this elephant with big ears. Da, 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 da. Then he's going to get drunk, and then we're going to have a five-minute, like, weird, trippy, terrifying... <laughs> yeah. Hallucination. Yeah, it's such a short movie that and there's just like a lot of scenes where I'm like, you could have taken this out and made this a short. You didn't and it almost feels like these scenes are just like fillers to make it just long yeah. enough to be released as a movie. Um, did you have a most terrifying moment of the elephants on parade? No. Mine was the elephant that was formed out of elephant heads. Yeah. So the scene where um, the circus is in town and Mrs. Jumbo and Dumbo are like in that pen um, and the boys start making fun of the elephants is like the worst security system ever for elephants. Um, And so now I would like to pause and tell you the history of the Memphis Zoo. Are you serious right now? I am, because I think you will find it interesting. It's just the history of one animal. Okay. Um, So the Memphis Zoo, if you're ever in Memphis, is one of the best zoos. Natalie, you would agree. It is a good, it is a very good zoo. It's like one of the best zoos I've ever been to. It's in the middle of a neighborhood. It's awesome. But the way it started was a businessman in Memphis um, received a bear as payment for uh, shoes. He <laughs> ran a shoe company in Memphis and somebody from Mississippi was like, I would like to buy these shoes. I have no money, but I can send you a bear. And so the bear was sent to him and he lived on this house on Galloway street, which is like two blocks where I used to live. And so for a while, the bear just lived on the front yard of this guy's house in Memphis, like chained to a tree but then the bear would eat um, the businessman's wife's flowers and she got mad and she was like, the bear has to go somewhere else. So we took the bear to Overton Park and tied him up to another tree. And then like, you can see pictures of this bear. The bear's name is Natch after like Natchez. But um, what? Like Natchez, it's in Mississippi. Um, I think that's how you say it. And you can see pictures of this, of bear chained to a tree and there's like some weird like log structure next to it um not a house and um like the chain link like don't step into the cemetery right here (laughs) and sing you know what i'm talking about like it's just that like metal but it's not it doesn't do anything and so um that was the first animal in the zoo and then people were like this is maybe not the best place for the zoo for the bear, for the bear to be, um, maybe we should do something, and so then they they turned it into a zoo, and that's the beginnings of the Memphis Zoo. That's pretty crazy. It's a good story. It's a good story. I told you. Just a reminder: Dumbo is about the circus and not the zoo. Hey, Natalie. What? Why can't an elephant ride a bicycle? Because it's um, it uh, they're just too big. No, because it doesn't have thumbs to ring the bell. We're doing Dumbo this week, and we are here That's with our not dad. not what you told me. We're doing circuses. <laughs> dad, 
Dad, what is our podcast? Disney. Yeah, so we go through the Disney movies. So this week's movie is Dumbo, which takes place at a... Circus. There you go. Okay, so we are obviously here with our dad, Eric, who fully understands what we do. Um, yes. And so this week we're doing Dumbo, and we thought we would start by just talking about our own uh, circus experiences. Wow. Okay, who wants, who wants to start that one? I can go. Okay. Go ahead. Um, I remember being terrified of the circus um, because I didn't like loud noises. And I think I went to one circus that had a cannon, and it was it was really, really loud and hurt my ears. And so then I didn't want to go to the circus ever. And I think I even... I mean, I think I was a really anxious kid already, but if we went to the circus, I, like when we pulled up, I would be looking for any signs of a cannon. Um, and then throughout the circus, I never felt good. Like I was just looking for a cannon and waiting for a cannon to roll out. Did they out. fire a man out of the cannon? Yeah, it's a human cannonball. It was very yeah, loud. Yeah, that's kind of neat. It was very loud for a small child. Yeah, um, and you know what? They don't need to be that loud because I think they're driven by um, compressed air. And they and the 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 boom is probably artificially produced. Did you not research that this week, Dad? Well, I just know that gunpowder behind firing a man out, out of a cannon with gunpowder would kill him. So I'm pretty sure they don't use gunpowder. Um, so does that mean you got to go to the circus many times, Sarah? Yeah, I think so, several times. Yeah. But then my other memories of the circus are watching other children getting to eat cotton candy. Well, I never did because mom was against it. Yeah, I never stood that myself. <laughs> um, I went to the circus once that I know of. Um, it was in Durham. Yeah, it was in Raleigh. It was in Raleigh. All I remember is, uh, I think it was inflatable, a Titanic ship. Um, yeah. I still don't. I don't know if that's a, I've, never, I've only been to the circus once, so I don't know if that's a standard feature of the circus, is the Titanic ship. It's not. It was like a bounce house, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah it was. Because that was like a pre-circus thing, so like before yeah. the circus started, you could go onto the floor and you could like jump on the, on the Titanic, but then before the circus could start, they had to lower the Titanic, so it, <laughs> like it was sinking. Dad kept yelling, oh, the humanity, Yeah, which is the wrong disaster, but still funny. <laughs> well, it looked like the Hindenburg, and, uh, and then what happened at the end of the circus? Oh, humanity. What happened at the end of the circus, Natalie? Um, I just remember being in a big crowd and uh, two or so people getting into a fight. Um, it's terrible. I, yeah, I remember Dad, like, pushing me into, like, into like behind the adults um yeah it was, it was no, i was trying to i was trying to save people's lives because i had two young girls and mom and Ann, Ann wanted to continue through the doors i was like that's where the mob dies okay the mob dies at the door because it's the pinch point you know it's the it's the neck it's the location Neck, the truncation, truncation of the uh, crowd. They all, they all, they're all moving fast until they get to the door, and that's how you die. So I grabbed Natalie and Sarah, and I said, "Get over here, man! Let those wildebeest jump into the uh, river. I don't care. I'm not going in that way." And soon enough, you know, everything slowed down and. I said, now we can leave safely and walk over the corpses. That was, that's how I saved your life the first time. Oh, no, no, it's not. When Natalie almost drowned in Cuba? Yeah, I don't know how that happened. She was three and by herself in the ocean. <laughs> yeah, that's not a good combination. <laughs> what are your memories of the circus? Mine? Yes. My first memory was the Shrine Circus, which was uh, put on by Shriners. 
and everyone in the fourth grade from Ohio was invited. It was like two dollars to get there, and you know it ran for probably a month in Dayton, and we went down there. They had these little uh, lizards that they were selling for like a dollar fifty, and then you had to buy mealworms to feed them that were alive. It's weird, and they cost like a quarter, but you never had enough money to buy mealworms, so they didn't live very long. The lizards lasted probably an average of three days. There were those little green lizards that you get down in Florida. They, and then they just starved to death? Um, they died usually of natural causes after three days. I mean, I don't know what the cause was. No one did an autopsy, but uh, I imagine they were hungry. And so there were just, just school buses of kids with lizards going back home every day? Yeah, a bunch of them. And were, then, you there, um, were you there with your teachers? Yeah. I would never have allowed it. Was on, it was on a Saturday. It was on a Saturday, too. Okay. First of all, as a teacher, I never would have volunteered on a Saturday to take my students to the circus. Secondly, I don't think I there's would, any volunteering. I would never let them get back on a bus with, with animals. Definitely not. These aren't animals. They're little tiny lizards. Yes. It's like a dog or an alligator. But anyway, uh, I didn't get a lizard because I, I spent all my money on cotton candy. But um, I knew I'd have plenty of lizards to look at because everybody else bought lizards. And um, then my second experience probably was the time that I nearly joined the circus when I was about 14, uh, 12 or 13. 12 or 13 is before I started working at the gas station. And um, I went to the circus, and then immediately after the circus, this is how they did it. They said, uh, we're looking for uh, six to ten very strong young men that can help us tear the tents down. They pay us five dollars each. They wanted and, you to be aroused about. I was aroused about for uh, about two hours. And they gave me five dollars. And then the guy said he really liked the cut of my jib. And he wanted me to travel with them <laughs> through the South. Because this is just before the fall started in Ohio. But uh, they were going to pay me $100 a week to travel with them. But I had to buy my own food. I decided not to do that because school was starting in three weeks. And I didn't want didn't to. I, I wanted to do it, honestly. But uh, I, even as when I was like 12, I realized $100 a week is not going to go very far. Get to buy your own food, especially circus food. It costs a lot of money. Uh, modern circuses, as we, as we know them, started about 1868. Is that your segue? Yeah. Mom, do you have any circus memories? Um, I remember going to one as a kid our family went to one somewhere and about the only thing i remember is walking around they had all these sideshow tents outside I oh i saw a spider woman one time it was this big spider leg thing you know and she was in a cage it was just her head sticking up through a hole in the ground or through the board through a hole in the board and they were um that's all she did she just let people look at her <laughs> it was just her head just her head but then there were like legs attached to her legs head. attached to her neck yeah and then i saw the world's largest cow or yeah cow they don't do anything the world's largest cow just sort of sits there and what lies there which is different from other cows who stand and and uh, interact with people this cow was like bored out of his mind i'm glad PETA took care of that all right, Dad, you did some research on circuses? Yeah, I did. The first uh, thing, first of all, the tie, tying circus down to a, uh, you know, saying, oh, it started on January 1st, 1972. It didn't. It sort of uh, evolved. It started in, uh, if you, people take it back as far as uh, ancient Rome 2,000 years ago with Circus Maximus, where uh, horses and chariots were raced and um, gladiators fought, um, <laughs> fought lions. I'd be damned if I'd do that at the circus. 
but they were probably performers and not actual audience participants. Uh, now the word circus, Homeric Greek, is, it means ring, circle, circle, okay. ring. Because um, uh, traditionally uh, circuses have 42 foot diameter rings and they have three rings, but it's a three ring circus. Mm. Now, it's a flea circus, very small rings, 30, 42 centimeters. Um, that's where it came from. So the first use of it would have been in Rome, a Circus Maximus and Circus Nero. Europe, uh, nothing happened for 2,000 years in the circus uh, world. Except that people did the same things they've been doing, you know, showing up like traveling, traveling shows and medicine shows, because they took on different acts like um, uh, fortune tellers. I believe all along as they collected these sideshows, um, also they continued to bring animals into uh, their acts, <clears throat> lion tamers, uh, horsemen you know, riding, people riding horses. And that eventually, at least in the United States, led to Wild West shows, which is kind of like a circus. <clears throat> Buffalo Bill had one and, <laughs> you know, I mean, it was what it was, you know. People didn't have entertainment. They didn't have movies. There were no cell phones yet. Um, cell phones were at least five years <laughs> in the coming. So they, they didn't have anything to do, to sit around town drinking and beating each other up. And then people showed up for with entertainment and whatever it was, they accepted it. And it might cost a nickel to get in. It was pretty cheap. E even when I was a kid, it was pretty cheap. I mean, so anyway, in the United States, in about 1868, um, <clears throat> Philadelphia, or excuse me, 1768, Philadelphia, no, it was 1868. Mm. Anyway, 1868 plus or minus 100 years. It had to have been 1768 because it had to have been because George Washington went to it, okay? He was not around the Civil War. So it was in Philadelphia. It was a traveling circus. No, it wasn't. It was in a pure American production. <laughs> Someone said, let's get a circus together. And I imagine it was pretty lame at first, but Washington went to it. Uh, it was in, and it spent um, probably a year in Philadelphia. They had acrobats. I didn't mention acrobats. I should have. They're very important. Acrobats and clowns and high wire acts, which scare the hell out of me. I used to always think they were going to fall. And uh, they never did, thank goodness, because it would have been very traumatic. But... Um, did you read anything on the history of clowns? No, I didn't, thank goodness, because I'm afraid of clowns. I mean, I don't like them. Um, when okay. I was a little boy, I used to like them Did until I got that. real close to one. And then I saw him with his grease paint on and his fake smile, and I thought, this guy's a sham, you know? I don't, he's got a painted smile on, for gosh sakes. You couldn't tell that already? No, I mean, from a distance, he just looks like he's almost a cartoon. But when he gets real close to you, you can see that he actually has a mustache that he's painted over. It's scary, man. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's about all I have on the circus. I just, you know, it's... That's really good. Yeah, I, I can't... I don't, I don't see as much future for circuses because of the animal prohibition. And, I mean, they're still, they're still magicians, but you can't... Being a magician in a circus would be pretty uh, lackluster because you can't really see them close enough. You know, I mean, a, a, a magic show from 40, 50 yards away, I could perform magic at 50 yards, believe me, you know? Yeah, I don't know, there probably are a few circuses left, but uh, they don't have any animals in them, which is very disappointing because I loved the elephants. That's the only time I ever got close to an elephant. Did you read anything about Cirque du Soleil? No, I don't like that, though. I don't, I don't like modern things like that. I mean, I, I, it's all trickery and 
and uh, and mirrors and you know I don't. What is the circus laid at? Soccer bats and things like that. Anyway, well, that's all I got, girls. Do you want to cite your sources? No. Please do. Uh, they're online. What's that? What are your sources, Dad? I don't know what they are. Wikipedia is one of them. All, all right. right. Well, thanks for doing your research. Yeah. Yeah, I love you guys. Love you. Bye bye. Hey, I want to turn this off now, okay? Yep. I'm going to leave it. Okay. Push the red button now. Okay. Did it go? Am I here? You're still here. Oh, leave meeting. There it is. Can we give feedback? No. Um, I really enjoyed the end when Dumbo was flying around and he snorts up all those peanuts and then like aims them at the elephants that were mean. I really enjoyed that piece of justice. Like no, okay. What? I think we have like different views of justice. Um, oh, okay. That's, I don't, I'm not like into vengeful. Um. <laughs> what would you have done instead? Just ignored them, moved on, lived yeah. a better life. And by living a better life, you are a clown elephant. It's not what I meant, but it's okay. <laughs> um, Natalie, do you have a scary scale? I do. Um, for this movie, I gave it a four out of ten. Wow, that's higher than I think I would have given it. Yeah. Just for the elephants on parade. Yeah, I also think like it's there's like a little like the the I think like the um whole like mom being locked up and like the bullying and stuff is just like kind of disturbing. Yeah. And sometimes and, like the clown images were kind of disturbing too of like yeah. wanting this elephant to jump off a tell. Yeah. Building and yeah, that would make me nervous as a kid. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean, it's definitely, like, all, this is the first one that, like, I remember we've talked about, like, the gag aspect of Disney movies, mm. um, and I think this is, like, a truly pretty funny movie. Like, I remember, I could, like, I could still remember the parts that made me laugh as a kid watching it. Yeah. Um, it I like, yeah, like, the stork needing to, like, sing the song and do the yeah. spiel when he's dropping off the baby was like hold on I have I also have to do this like, yeah all part of the service is what he says yeah. I like that yeah but yeah it's a primarily from the pink elephants um yeah I agree that was just a scary unnecessary scene in my opinion well it's how they find the crews that's true did they have no other way for the elephant to get into the top of the tree is that what it was yeah. We'll make him drunk, and then he just won't remember how it happened. Oh, also, when he was doing, right when he gets drunk and he's doing the bubbles, I was like, make this be his act. Like, he yeah. can make, like, square bubbles and stuff, yeah. and then he can just sit around and get drunk and make these bubbles and not have to put himself in danger all the time, other than, like, cirrhosis of the liver. It's not as dangerous as the clown act. Sure. Or the pyramid of pachyderms. Gosh. Oh, that makes me, that made me so nervous. That whole scene just made me anxious. Yeah. And there is no way no one died in the making of that scene. True. Like, oh my goodness, the entire yeah. big top came down. And according to dad's um, theory, we would have been forced to just stay in the tent while the elephants were just falling everywhere. We would not have been allowed to Oh no, world. <laughs> it's safer here. <laughs> stay where all these elephants are. Flying around, breaking wood posts that are holding up the big top. It's going to be fine. So I think now is the time when we choose our favorite movie. Okay. At the end of every episode each week, Natalie and I think back through the movies that we've seen so far, and we pick which one has been our favorite. We've had some upsets along the way. Last week, um, Natalie voted for Pinocchio. 
and I changed it up a little bit and went with the Reluctant Dragon, which I think she still disagrees with. Um, but now we'll see if her favorite has changed. Natalie, what's your favorite Disney movie so far? My favorite Disney movie so far is Dumbo. What about you? It's the Reluctant Dragon. Gosh. <sighs> okay. What's next week? Next week is Bambi. A lighthearted romp through the forest where no one dies. Yes, exactly. Um, if you loved the um, bond between a mother and son that was portrayed in Dumbo, just wait, wait for Bambi. Oh man, it takes it to another level. Side resources? Yes. Um, so this week I used Wikipedia and Disney Wiki as well as an article by Megan Kamei, Kamei, um, titled The Real Life Dumbo. Um, I used an essay by Alex Weiner um, about racism in Disney between um, the crows and um, the crows and Dumbo and the Jungle Book, which when we um, watch the Jungle Book, I will be going back to this article because it compares the two and it's really interesting. Um, so that'll be fun. And then for the Roustabouts, um, an article written by Travis Andrews for the Washington Post. And um, I think, and I used Wikipedia, oh, Memphis Magazine for the story of Natch the Bear. Uh, I think that's it. Um, so stay connected with us throughout the week. Um, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. All of those are under Wolf Disney Pod. Um, you can also email us at wolfdisneypodcast at gmail.com. That is wolf with no E. There it is. We'll see you guys. Well, we'll catch you guys next week for Bambi. This has been Wolf Disney. Thanks for listening. Our theme song is Lamb and Wolf by Poddington Bear. See you next week. <clears throat> this isn't noisy, is it? <laughs> Can you hear the bag opening? Louder than you. Is that pepperoni? <laughs> Mini pepperoni. This is not really a word. But anyway. Yeah, in the United States, um, <clears throat> circuses got their official start about 1868, shortly after the Civil War. That's Sarah. Man. Can you imagine Johnny Carson putting up with this? He'll start walking across the stage. <laughs>